if there's something that we all share is the fear of dying, the fear of death. Mm, some people get on with it a bit better than others. In my case, I have to say that I hate that thought. I don't want to die. I don't want to disappear. I always think if I'm here already, why do I have to go now that I'm here? And I'm sure there's a lot of other people out there thinking the same, hence why there's so much research on ways and techniques of making our lives longer, extending the, our, our lives, but also ways of becoming immortal somehow. And this is something that we're going to talk about today. Some people think that uh, once we go, that's it. Some people believe in heaven, others believe in hell, others believe in purgatory, others think that we become energy. In any case, we're all going to die and, you know, might as well get on with it and accept it. And whatever you want to think about what comes after, that's entirely up to you. But what is certain is that we're going to, we are all going to die. And this is what I want to talk about to you today in this very gothic episode. I want to analyze this book. It's in Spanish, but I'm going to be guiding you through it. It's called Todas las Muertes, All Deaths. And El Final de la Vida de los Océanos a los Robots. So from the end of life, um, from the oceans to robots. So by Ricardo Soule. I don't think this is in English yet because it's just come out in, in Spanish. But it's a very interesting book that... If you have some knowledge of Spanish, I recommend you read because it's not difficult. If you learn Spanish, it's not difficult to read. And also because it's going to make you think about a lot of the things, a lot of concepts that we've been mentioning on this channel. And it's going to give you this gothic and this holistic view of death. Not only of the human death, but all deaths. So if this is something that might interest you, that you are really excited about and look at this wonderful cover then this video my friend is for you This is Alice and you are in Gothic Land, a place where we talk about all things Gothic and I help you learning more about yourself through this Gothic Union lens that the channel has. And today in episode 5 I want to talk to you about um, self-awareness and I want to talk to you about this book, All Deaths, The End of Life from Oceans to Robots. And it's written by Ricard Soule. And I want to talk to you about this for various reasons. Well, I'm going to tell you how it all started, how I came across this book. It was uh, in the summer I went to the library to, in order to promote this book that, uh, that we have here. Uh, it's a collaboration. I have a story in, in that book called Diario Panama de Escritores that you can find in my channel, in my channel, my webpage, in gothicalis.com. And it's in Spanish. And I was trying to promote this in the local library as well as to find out how I could actually 
gave some workshops there and then after the whole thing uh, the assistant there said to me oh would you like to have a look at the books and I thought mm, yeah it's the library and I was with my 13 year old son and we both went and we had a look around and as I do when I go to a bookshop or a library and in fact I've written an article about this I started looking around and I always follow a little bit my instincts and I let my unconscious mind talk to me and I just like kind of follow the covers the drawings but what they say the, the names of the books and then I kind of follow this is what actually I want to read and I've always been very interested in in death because of what I said before I don't want to go I don't want to go I don't want to die and in fact maybe my passion and my interest for the gothic it comes a bit from this angle so I came across this book and I thought hmm I need to get that and in fact she said to me oh is it we just put it there yesterday so it was fresh on the shelf and I saw the drawing and I thought yeah it reminded me of my passion for the eco-gothic as well nature and the death of nature and how nature can kill us as well as giving us life I thought of the great mother I thought of all these things that I'm investigating lately and I, I had to have it in fact I liked it so much that I think I want to buy the book now and but before we go into the books in more in depth about the book remember that there's an article about this book in September's magazine that always every issue comes on the 21st of every month so September magazine goes from the 21st to the 21st of each month so to the 21st of October and the article I've created is on self-awareness self-awareness section in you are gothic but you don't know it that's the magazine and it's called the eternal fight against death through the scientific perspective of Ricard Soleil in this book so one of the things that I have to say about this book that I really really liked from the very beginning is the fact that it begins with Mary Shelley Frankenstein uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is fantastic because it caught my attention straight away I thought what has a scientist like this guy have to do with gothic literature and Ricard Soule, I'm telling you a little bit uh, his profile he's a physician and biologist and investigator from ICREA in Pompeu Fabra's University it's a university here in Barcelona and he runs a laboratory of complex systems called uh, well that's the name ICREA and it's also an external uh, professor from uh, Institute Santa Fe Institute in the United States and he has a few investigations around the origins of evolutive origins of the complexity in natural systems and artificial and natural systems and he goes from the virus to cancer to all the systems neuronal systems technology so it goes on yeah his, his biography is very interesting and what is very interesting to me is that a, a profile like he's a scientist he makes so many references to gothic literature to science fiction to films to books and for someone like me it's fantastic because you get the best of both both worlds you get the science but you get the literature as well to back it up and the other way around it kind of it, it fits each other it fits each other yeah it's a it's a yeah science can give writers a lot of ideas but a lot of times some of the imagination of some writers can actually trigger the scientific 
investigation as well. So I think that's my opinion anyway. So as I was saying, I'm going to go chapter by chapter and then I'm going to be talking to you about personal experiences and, and everything that, as I was reading the book. In the magazine, I always start with a little bit with the with the Celts and, and the culture because of the month that we're in. But once you start going about um, the book itself, which if you buy the magazine, you, you'll get this page. Um, it's very interesting. I'm going to tell you a few things that I've been learning, like keywords that for me are very important and very interesting. And then I'm just going to be giving you a bit of my own opinion, as I said before. So one of the things that I find very interesting is the concept of cellular suicide which if you're a scientist, you're probably very well familiarized, but if you're not, this is going to be very interesting. So he says that this is a set of control mechanisms that trigger cell death when malfunctions are detected or at certain moments in the growth of an organism. And this is a free translation from me, okay? So this book is not in English yet. And also the concept of transhumanism that he mentions in chapter 5 which for him is the vision through which humanity will experience a new phase of artificial evolution that will allow us to overcome any biological limitations, which is kind of scary. He also talks about cryogenization, which is this process where we freeze individuals to revive them later on. Um, he talks about a bit of the controversy that goes around that and some experiments and how people were kind of con into believing that by being frozen and later on being revived, they could just continue living at some point and not disappearing completely. And how the fact that some cells, is true that some uh, living organisms can actually come back to life with no deterioration, is not so true for humans because we are a lot more complex in the sense that we wouldn't be able to recuperate our brains completely because how do you recuperate memory? How do you reco recuperate uh, thought? How do you recuperate experiences? You can't do that. We cannot do that, that yet. And so he goes around a lot of misconceptions um, that we have regarding this kind of immortalizing humans or to revive them later. There's all sorts of TV programs as well. I mentioned about um, there was... Um, a French production I talked about when I interviewed Tuche Kutlu and we talked about transfers, I think they were called, and it's this to transfer the, the brain, the, the mind, but then the host had his own memories as well as the invader and it was just like really scary. But again, that's another example, he doesn't mention that one, but it's another example of our fear of death and our fear of disappearing. And how far are we willing to take this? This is very important as well, very interesting. So as I said before, I really like how we start with Mary Shelley and, and Frankenstein or the young Prometheus and how he uses that, this is the first chapter, how he uses that to show how someone, um, Mary Shelley's profile, considering that she was from the 18th, 19th century, that she was a woman that she yes okay she had access to education to books but she wasn't a scientist she 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 wrote um, and maybe not she wasn't a prolific writer either but she wrote and mainly um, her life was short as well and mom was um, 
was a, a famous person as well, so was the dad. Um, mom was a suffragist, if I say this right, and she she helped towards uh, gaining women's rights. And the dad was also someone famous in politics. So, you know, um, a proper someone who really investigated Mary would tell you all this very well. But um, it's very interesting how the point here is how someone, her profile, actually managed and her age as well. She managed to get a story about this human being made up of pieces of human. And that's because also the story, apart from the scientific uh, movement that, that they were going through and the um, industrial revolution, and there were a lot of revolutions in a lot of areas that showed society. There was Calvinism, there was also the questioning of 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 God, if 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 we are man-made or if there's a God out there, uh, all these questions uh, were all kind of brewing together. And she came out with this story. So how much he he uses this story actually to see how much of that human putting together. Oh yes, and the, the stealing, the snatching of the bodies for scientific experimentation as well. How much of that actually? can actually be verified now and she wasn't that far from the far from the truth and he actually explains um how how much or how close she was or how far she was from from the reality but how still this book has an impact in in us um because there's still so much we don't know about our bodies and our mortality that is still very relevant nowadays it still triggers the same thoughts it still triggers the same curiosity and the certain the same uncertainties. Um, he says, uh, you know, that his intention with his book in general, his intention is to create various definitions from different fields and interpretations of death. And because these will serve like a, like a conducting thread of the scientific understanding of reality. Now, here we have to say, I would like to say that we tend to believe more a scientific explanation than any other kind of explanation about the end of life and about how life works anyway. So, for example, would you believe, in your case, would you believe more a scientific explanation about death, about dying, about how we work, about what happens after we die? Or would you believe more someone who's a spiritual, someone who's... Um, have to be careful here but someone who's a, a, a sensitive a medium someone who has faith uh, I mean faith is one thing and science is another thing and sometimes scientists can also have faith things are not divided but when it comes down to the explanations explanations you would probably believe or trust more the science because it's the fact is what you can show you can show you can prove uh, although as I said if you are a believer of any religion or of your own thing, then things get a bit complicated. But yeah, I think the priority would always the belief. Yeah, if someone comes to you and explains when you die, this will happen. Who would you believe? That I'll leave that up to you. So in chapter two, he talks about the La Muerte Programada, which is a program death, and here he talks about marine viruses of which he says that parasites from molecular to social 
are inevitable consequence of complex life and the sea is full of potential victims. I love that quote. He talks here about um, the cell death, the human being, and he compares that to marine plants and why there are certain plants that are immortal, but we don't have that kind of cells and therefore we will die. And he, he elaborates on that a little bit later on as well. So we kind of see why certain plants will be there forever. And in fact, he will explain the length of life of trees and certain animals and that we don't have. And therefore we kind of, what he's saying basically is we, we carry death in ourselves. So it's not that we are going to die, it's that we are dying every day a little bit and in many ways. In chapter three, he talks about the death of the machines. And for that episode, for that chapter, he talks about iRobot. Yes, by we saw the film by Will Smith in 2004, even though the story was written and showed in magazines, in American magazines between 1940 and 1950, and it was all collected in 1950. So you can imagine how these film, when we watched it, I remember thinking, Oh, wow, this is so innovative. This is so new. And actually, someone had written this many, many years before that. So it, it shows you that how writers, uh, people with an inquisitive mind, a curious mind, they start thinking on about what's going on around us. What is the progress uh, doing? And, and then you start imagining what can happen, what could happen if certain things take place then you, you have your story, you have your science fiction, you have your horror story. And sometimes these stories are not far from the truth. In fact, how scared we are, we all are about AI nowadays. Well, personally, I'm not really scared. I'm more scared of humans killing other humans. But how scared we are of AI, is that going to destroy us? Is it going to take jobs? Yes, in some cases, people are worried because of their jobs but then I think AI is still very very green you know I was trying to write a text the other day and I had the option of using AI and I thought oh, let's see what happens and it didn't sound like me this thing and it was like no it was good because I could use it to write all the contrary <laughs> so that was fine but I think and he says um in regards says that we shouldn't really worry that much about AI because in fact a lot of the times the machine is just that it's a machine and what we put the extra the human side of the machine is actually a construct that comes from us it's our perception and it gives a lot of examples or a few examples of robots that people got attached to even there's a robot that was used to uh, and sent to mars and when this robot expired because he had in the end of his life arrived he said i think i'm dying batteries going down so bye bye and everybody was crying so was it because the robot was human or because we gave this humanity to the robot this is something that is very important and i've forgotten to mention in the spanish video but it's something that he also mentions here and also how ai can be so helpful for people who suffer from alzheimer's for example and how these an ai tool or a robot can actually help the person not forget or keep re remembering who they were. And this robot kind of having the, the memories, the experiences of the person who's actually forgetting day by day, which I think is a very beautiful thought if you think about it, having that companionship. 
and even though it's not human, you interact with you. So somehow, because humans, we have this capacity of giving things, as I said before, of uh, these human aspects, characteristics, then we don't feel lonely. And nowadays, this is also a very interesting or important factor because we are very communicative, but a lot of people feel very lonely. In chapter four, he dedicates that to the death of the mind. And that is another chapter that for me is very interesting. And he says, it's a quote where he says that the rational answer is clear, there is no why. And the question is actually meaningless from a scientific perspective. There is, however, a resounding certainty that we have obtained through science. The possibilities of ordering DNA sequences are hyper astronomical. And he says that regarding what is our purpose, you know, as human beings, do we have a purpose? That made me think about also the next quote. He talks about the depths of the memory and how we are our memory and how we are our brains and how real, how that connects with, for example, it, it really hits home because um, personally, um, my husband a few years ago in 2018, he suffered an ictus, which is um, is a stroke where he had three blood clots in his brain and he was taken to hospital, a life or death situation. And from that moment, they also discovered that he had a heart condition. And even though nowadays he can walk, he can talk by himself and there's no major problems uh, cognitively, his heart, yes, there's a, there's a big problem there. He's very limited in his daily activities. He can't really work. He can't, even though he walks, he can just do a minimum every day. But cognitively, the ictus, uh, the stroke, um, has left um, that sometimes he gets very tired. So cognitively, he's very tired. And sometimes there are changes of words and phrases that don't belong. And... I remember when when he was coming back home from the hospital after a week of being there. I remember thinking, what's coming home? Is he going to be my husband or is it something else? Is he a zombie? Is he a duplicate? And it was very scary. It was like being in a scary film because I know, I knew who had left. I, I knew what left home, but I wasn't sure what was coming back. And that was very scary. But it wasn't just scary for me, it was scary also for him because he was, all of the sudden, he went to sleep and he woke up in hospital with his life having changed completely. And he spent a whole week in the hospital, as I said before, and then coming back home was very strange for him. And it was very strange for us as a family and it was very strange for me as a wife and his partner. And it was very strange altogether for our families and it was a kind of death because a part of us stayed there and and that what we was before never it was never going to be the same again so we die every day somehow uh, experiences changes losses or in general changes uh, a loss in, in our jobs as well can change us as well and that's also a type of death so what's the purpose of it of it all Maybe there isn't a purpose. Maybe we just hear and we make ourselves, we give ourselves a purpose as we go along. Otherwise, we will go crazy if we didn't find a purpose, but that's something else. So this chapter, as I said, elaborates on the Alzheimer's. And chapter five is called, whoops, 
uh, death of immortality, which again he talks here about uh, technology, and um, he says that our brains uh, is the brain is very difficult to de replicate because first it is a you know the 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 cells the the all the connections are very little, very tiny, weeny, micro, small. I won't be able to tell you this properly because I'm not a scientist, but it's very difficult to replicate, basically. We are very difficult to replicate. Our brains are very difficult to replicate. We can replicate probably arms and bodies and things like this. We can. We can clone ourselves if we want it. But how do you replicate a brain? You we will be able to replicate the, the what it looks like, but not the memories, as we said before, the memories, the experiences, the sensations, how do you replicate that? He says it's not impossible, but nowadays it's very, very difficult. He talks also here about germ cells and somatic cells, which I think is very important because some of them, the germ cells, um, allow the rest to constantly regenerate. That's why we, you know, we keep living. But then the somatic cells are the ones responsible for carrying out various special functions and they can only divide a given number of times and then that's it, it's gone. So that's why we grow older, that's why we get wrinkles, that's why we get gray hair, that's why we start losing memory. And that's how he talks also about the telom telomerase, which is an enzyme that repairs the shortening telomeres of the chromosomes chromosomes due to cell division. So the more the cells divide, the, the shorter there's this these little hairs uh, are at the end of the cells and then they can manage to recover the initial length um, with the tel telomerase thing. In chapter 6 he talks about the death of the tongues of the languages so las lenguas muertas and this is very interesting as well and, and mainly for me because as a linguist um, it's a perfect a perfect way of explaining what I've always thought. I've always criticized people who, or even politicians who try to eliminate languages or to undermine them or to make them less important or to suppress them. And here in Catalonia, we have a history with that. So from a linguistic point of view and without thinking about political intervention and people manipulating the story, the thing is that languages carry culture carry information is our identity and at the end of the day it makes us who we are um, from a linguistic point of view he says that language is the last person in a village speaking that language takes with that person a huge amount of knowledge because it takes with them maybe vocabulary from specific plants and medicinal plants and and things that we may not have in other countries, they take away recipes, they take away so much. And if it's not written down, and if it's not recorded, that's the other thing that recording things, it, it helps us to become immortal. Uh, by recording things um, and keeping this alive, we maintain our identity, we can move on, we can keep learning things. If we kill, we make these languages disappear, then as a civilization we go down the bog like he says he says the loss of linguistic diversity is one of the greatest defeats of our civilization and it's a cultural loss indeed and it shows this in i'm just looking for the page where 
he talks about languages because is chapter six there we go uh, I've not said it, but the book has got a lot of images and pictures and drawings. So he talks about languages. And look, languages are represented a lot of times like trees. Um, and the brain is also like a tree. And we think about the family tree. The tree, you know, is one of the elements from the Gothic literature that I really like as well. And I always find the connection with Gothic literature. And... When it comes to languages, it's the same, you know, some languages die, some languages derive from other languages or they branch out to other languages. And it's very scary when people try to eliminate uh, or don't not record certain certain languages. And again, this is just down to people's um, political interests and manipulation and things that really are not, they shouldn't really exist. In the last chapter dedicated to the death of information, in a way it's very connected to languages because it tells us about first the destruction of books, precisely this is so connected with the manipulation, the same as he mentions how long um, appliances used to last, like bulbs or cars or electrodomestics, these appliances they used to last a lot, a lot longer nowadays. They make them last less. If you notice, your fridge doesn't last the same as your Nana's fridge would last. And that's because there's this eagerness of selling products for us to constantly be buying them. And that's actually going against us. We want to be mortal and yet we are polluting the air, we're polluting the environment by creating more and more things that we don't really need. If we make them a bit better with more quality, okay, people's jobs won't be what they are nowadays, but maybe we would have other type of jobs and we could survive in different ways and maybe be happier if things were a little bit different. If we didn't have this eagerness and this we didn't live in this capitalistic society where we all like buying new things, new phones, new everything. And what are we doing with that? So this is one of the reasons why um, he talks about the death of technology and or not and, and, and what's wrong with us as people using this technology. This is more scary probably than AI, if you ask me. But he talks about the death of information in the sense that in the same way that I am now here talking to you with through this video and giving you my opinion about something that I read that could be completely wrong. Uh, if you don't go and check it out and if you go and say, oh yes, I completely agree and you go 100% with what I'm saying, what if I'm saying something that is not that is wrong or is not very accurate? You need to go out there and, sh and, and contrast and compare and you need to uh, see for yourself, use your critical thinking, even though this is um, in a section of the self-knowledge, self self-awareness, just use your critical thinking all the time to think, okay, what is she saying? This is interesting, but I'm going to find um, more information about that. And because otherwise we have what Ricard says, there's a little bit of a perversion of this information because I'm going to side with people that think the same as I think without checking. And then I'm just going to go and blast it all out. And then I'm just creating false theories and I'm just creating false in information that people will not, um, you know, you go away with that information and it can be quite harmful. So he talks here about the concept of the echo chamber to refer to the selection of ideas that we identify with. And 
make us feel comfortable. And then what we do actually is what he says to contribute to create segregation then that can become very pronounced and very very scary because then we obtain these groups of people and people become quite aggressive towards each other as well so what we have is a polarization it's a kind of death as well so in this last chapter he also talks about conspiracy theories he talks about the covid and the misinformation this is a very complicated section i thought when i was reading it because some people believe they were not very well informed other people thought that we were a lot we had a lot of information and we were going crazy we didn't know what to believe and who to believe and at the end of the day i think the covid is still very very fresh very present in our minds in fact it feels like it was only yesterday and that's why a lot of us are having trouble to figure out how long things went and have been going for through and long for and and um and we need therapy and we need help because we don't really know we're still very much surprised and taken by everything that happened um at that time and, and still you know the ripples are there so i think it's a very interesting book um as a moral a personal reflection i would say that um we have here in the last page with the covid um I would like to say that if you have or if you want to have like a, a holistic view of the death in, in literature, um, how it's portrayed also in nature, science, uh, AI, the future, where we come from but where we're going, it is a very good book to have this holistic view but it's also a book that I think it invites you to do further reading and it could be every chapter could be amplified and become a book on its own because it's all so interesting and it's easy to read as I said it's not complex it helps you grasp holistically a lot of the deaths that we have around it makes you think that's the, the beauty about it and what I want you to work out here today with is that think about all the deaths around you think about how you interpret information uh, what do you use what don't you use how do you communicate with other people how do you perceive death itself and and change and how you're using your things um attachments that you may have and think about your brain how important your brain is is and how unique so remember that if you want to know more about this book and uh, this article from you are gothic but you don't know it the magazine that i write every month and you have this article in the in the section is the first article is the first article of the of the magazine the september magazine and it's called the eternal fight against death through the scientific perspective of ricasule in in this book so that's it for me friends i hope you've enjoyed it i thought i hope that it's made you think a little bit about death in general terms that you've figured out how gothic it is as well i've been mentioning bits and bobs here and there and please remember to subscribe to share to click on the bell and to leave some comments because it's very interesting for me to know what you think as well and uh, i hope you've enjoyed it as i said before and until the next episode i'll see you next time don't forget to be very good with my friend and take care. So, bye-bye.